Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on a Friday, our Browns Bears podcast, our preview podcast. Uh, Lance Risland coming up to give us the full scouting report on the Bears. Tyler Shoemaker, his best bets for this game and the league. But first, before we get to those, Mary Kay is here. Ashley is here. We are going to give you three things to watch here in this Browns Bears matchup. We'll be back later with our picks for the game. That will be on our final segment. So, Mary Kay, what have you got for us? Something to watch here in Browns versus Bears. Well, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to go quarterback again, Mm -hmm. but with a little bit of a twist. This is a quarterback who now is without his uh, starting left tackle and starting right tackle for the rest of the season. We got that news earlier in the week. You know, there was a chance that maybe Jed could be coming back soon. He's not coming back at all. And Dewan Jones is out for the rest of the regular season. So now Joe Flacco, who is a classic drop-back passer, is down to his fourth and fifth tackles. And I think that's a little bit dicey. I think that's a, you know, that's a tricky way uh, to get out there and try to start your very, you know, your third game with the Cleveland Browns. Now, Alex Van Pelt had great things to say about how James Hudson did in this past game and how Jerron Christian played. They were very, very happy with the fact that Joe Flacco was only sacked one time in this game. But as I've mentioned so many other times before, there are going to be better pass rushes as they move forward. And, you know, maybe they can gear up for some of the better ones, but but this Bears defense is not a bad defense. And as uh, as Bubba pointed out today, you know, they really they come after you. They they come after the ball. Uh, they're coming to try to take it away, and they're very, very aggressive. So that's what I will be watching. How are these guys going to protect Joe, and how is Joe going to try to be able to get the ball out quickly and function with his fourth and fifth tackles starting in those spots? Yeah, this is the big question here with Joe is what's going to happen when they face better pass rushes, and then also, like Mary Kay said, Ashley, without having those tackles now, I mean, let's say James Hudson goes down and has to miss a play or, I mean, you can get even thinner real quickly and looking, just looking at Chicago, I mean, Montez Sweat, who they acquired in the last three games has three and a half sacks. So he's getting after the quarterback. Now they did lose um, Yannick Ngakwe to an injury. So that's a big one, but this is going to be a good test here for Joe Flacco and 
what can Kevin scheme up? How can they protect these guys? At some point, you have to reach some kind of breaking point, and there has to be some sort of drop-off. It's like we have ESPN or something, Dan, because those are the two guys <laughs> I was going to bring up, that they get a slight break here, but Montez Sweat has been playing really well. So I definitely think, again, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, people look at the Bears' overall record at 5-8, and eight, and I think maybe a lot of folks, when the schedule came out, like me included, right, we are like, well, they'll beat the Bears. Like, it's a given, right? The Bears have done so bad, but... You blink, and all of a sudden the Bears are 5-4 and four in their last nine. They've won two in a row. They did get some help on that line. Like, it's it's not going to be a walk in the cake to steal Mary Kay's <laughs> phrase um, reference. I'm going to steal that for this instance uh, because, yeah, I think this defense can be sneaky good. And you look at Jalen Johnson, Tremaine Edmonds, they each have four interceptions. If that Russian coverage is working together, like they're a team that – Takes the ball away actually as much as the Browns do. They're both at ranked like 11th in the league with 20 right now. So there's some interesting challenges, I think, for the Browns passing offense and how Joe Flacco might handle some more pressure if those tackles can't hold up. And we should mention here real quickly that Joe Flacco is now officially a member of the Cleveland Browns as of Thursday, Mary Kay. He was elevated to the active roster on, on a one-year deal. Um and that just means he's here for the rest of the season. It's a procedural move. It kind of became a story when some national folks tried to make a big deal out of him going back to the practice squad. We addressed it on, on the HMK hey pod on Tuesday. Uh, but Joe is is here. But what's interesting is there are some bonuses in that contract that if he gets the Browns deep enough in the playoffs, he's got a chance to make himself some pretty decent money. He really does. Any game that he wins the rest of this season, there's four left, he can win and he can make an extra $75,000. And then when you get into the wild card round, he can make two fifty divisional round, one $500,000, AFC championship game win, these are all victories, um, $1 million, and then Super Bowl, $2 million. So he can make an extra more than $4 million just by win, win, winning. And, of course, he intends to do that. And now he's got uh, some nice Christmas bonuses lined up if he can do it. And, you know, just once again, procedurally, it was never anything. These were always just roster moves that you make. He had one more elevation. It didn't, it wasn't some kind of a statement on how they felt about him. These are just roster decisions. You know, you can save yourself a roster spot by keeping a guy down on the practice squad for as long as you possibly can. But now he agreed to this one-year contract, which again, isn't really a one-year contract. It is a rest of the season contract expires in March. And I did ask him today, how he would feel about coming back. And he said right now he's just taking it one day at a time and, you know, not thinking too far ahead, but he definitely wants to play moving forward. And I was going to mention, like, he can obviously make himself a lot of money by winning games and getting deep into the playoffs. He can make himself a lot more money if he does that too, because somebody out there is going to say, hey, Joe's still got something left. Let's give him 10 million bucks to come be our, our bridge starter for the next, maybe the team... Maybe the Chicago Bears draft Caleb Williams and are like, let's bring in Joe Flacco for a year or, or something like that. There is a long pod at some point this offseason, probably right after the season is over, about can Joe Flacco come back here and be the backup? Would that would that even work? How much would it cost? All of that. But, I mean, Joe's going to make himself some money here, Ashley, with some wins. And if he really wins big, he's going to have a chance to get you know, not that contract he got after he won the Super Bowl in Baltimore, but 
he can, he can make himself some real money with his performances here. Yeah, you know, I think, Mary Kay, I thought it was interesting in your story where you talked to Gary Kubiak about him, how he made the comment even that it seemed like Joe was even surprised that no one had called him yet. And it's like knowing what we know about him just from anecdotes, being around him, seeing him play, like it's not surprising that this is a guy who has stayed ready. I mean, for as much as his you know reputation is of like you know Kevin Stefanski esque in terms of his personality and things like that, this is a guy who wants to win football games and who thinks he can still compete and did the work even when there wasn't an opportunity ready available, so that he would be ready if this chance you know came along again. And yes, like he's gonna have his issues. He's thirty eight. He's prone to interceptions because he is that gunslinger, but. Ultimately, he's shown he can still go out there and win a football game against a pretty good team. So I think they like where they are with him. And like, I think Mary Kay, you're the one that said yesterday, like they hit the jackpot in terms of needing a backup quarterback at this stage of the season. Okay, Ashley, what are you watching in this game? I will go over to the other side of the ball and talk about this Browns defensive line. Well, the defense overall, you know, has lost some key pieces this week. Obviously, we know Mohurst, Grant Delpit. Mohurst done for the year, Grant done for the regular season for sure. We don't know exactly what's going on with Obo Garanquo in terms of how long he might be out with his pec injury, but we knew yesterday it wasn't trending in the right direction for him to not have to miss the rest of the regular season potentially as well. And Justin Fields is a mobile quarterback who has some interesting weapons, including DJ Moore, who returned to practice today for them. They threw a bunch of new wrinkles out there with him, using him in the run game more. Um, in their win over Detroit. So I think it's an interesting challenge right now for a defense against a mobile quarterback. The Browns have been kind of hit or miss on mobile (laughs) quarterbacks this year. Dan, you and I were talking about this yesterday, kind of went through the names. They did bad against Lamar one game, did good against Lamar the next game. Gardner Minshew surprisingly gave them some trouble, I think, with how much he ran the ball. Everyone talked about on that defense, Russell Wilson, and they had a hard time bringing him down because he could just take off. I think when you're talking about a defense that's depleted the way they are right now, Justin Fields is an interesting challenge because he's mobile, but he can throw the football, which Jim Schwartz talked about today, too. Yeah, I was... um... I was surprised when Jim, it was Jim yeah. who said that he has like the strongest arm, one of the strongest I was thinking, arms he's seen. I was sitting here just now thinking, did Jim say that or did I imagine that? And am I attributing it to him? So I'm not going to say it. So I'm glad you heard it too, because we both came. Yeah. Wrong. Yeah. So <laughs> mobile quarterbacks are interesting against this defense because it's a very aggressive downhill defense. And I think Russell Wilson and Sean Payton did a really good job of this, of taking advantage. And other teams have done this too throughout his career, taking advantage of Miles Garrett's aggression. Um, I'm thinking of that read option when Miles really bit on on the handoff and Russ got around to the outside and ended up setting up a touchdown. It was a long run. So I think mobile quarterbacks can give this defense trouble. And it's bigger than just Lamar. Like Lamar, I kind of put on a different level. Like he's there's nobody like Lamar. But I think guys who can run in general can give this defense trouble, Mary Kay, because they are so aggressive and they can get out of position and they can take advantage of a Miles Garrett, maybe going a little too deep on his pass rush, and then you, you get inside. So I, I think that I think that's one of the concerns in this game. You know, it really is. And not only that, some of their best defenders are going to be out of this game for the first time. So they're not going to be with Oboe. They're not going to be with Grant, uh, who is going to miss the final four regular season games. It's trending towards Juan Thornhill possibly being out this game. We haven't seen him practice. Uh, he's still out with a calf injury. And then, you know, so the guy that 
is supposed to match up with these running quarterbacks is JOK. Now, fortunately for the Browns, he's had a really nice season. We talked to him today, and he was all humble. But I'll tell you what, I mean, he's making those tackles behind the line of scrimmage, and I think really flourishing in this defense. He's playing by far the best I've ever seen him play. And uh, so, you know, he's somebody that I think can, you know, shadow, mirror, menace Justin Fields. And I think he'll be the best antidote to Justin Fields in this game. But I do think it will be interesting to see how they have to pivot and adjust to some of those other guys who, you know, they have their mojo down in this defense. And they're part of, you know, the number one. Are they still number one? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're part of the number one defense in the NFL. And um, when you start to take three or four starters out of there, you know, you really have to kind of change things up and see if you can continue to play at that level. So more so than anything, I think that could have an impact on this game. Yeah, I just running quarterbacks are tough. But yeah, you're right about JOK. I think he he tried to give his tackles for loss when you asked him about that. He tried to give credit to the D lineman and the secondary. He didn't want to take any credit for it. No. He is this is the best we've seen JOK play. Like he's one of the guys that has certainly you came into this season maybe with questions about him. He was coming off that Liz Frank injury. And he's just absolutely thrived in in this scheme. Um, so like him and Grant. And there's just so many guys that you're looking at in this scheme. It's like, okay, they've finally unlocked something here with him. Yeah, and I think, too, like, JOK, that first run stop he had against Travis Etienne in that game against the Jags. Like, I wrote a newsletter about it because I'm like, those are the kind of plays he's making that just have stuck with me this year. And it is. Like, he can demure all he wants, like you said, but I think you have to be a freak of nature on some level to kind of blow up. A play like that if you're him, and and I do think it's a testament to what he's done. But yeah, Grant too, I mean, he's been able to, you know, really, I think, flourish considering they're using him in a multitude of ways. And we know that they've talked about that all offseason, how they they don't want to have a true free and strong safety and want to be able to move guys around. But Grant has, you know, I said it yesterday, got getting run stops. He's a big help there. He got a sack last week. He's doing it all for them. And I think they're big losses. And then you had a guy like Mo Hurst today. Jim talked about, you know, Mo and Obo Karanquo being huge energy guys even. And I think that's true. I mean, it hurts you not just from a rotation standpoint if you lose both of those guys ultimately, depending on what's going on with Obo. Um, but also from a production standpoint, those two guys got out there and produced. So it is an interesting problem to have to figure out. And even if out of nowhere Obo does show up and play. He's playing with one arm, yeah. so he's not he's not going to be the same guy. I'm going to take a little more global look at this. Is is this like a is this a trap game? I'm a little worried about this being the trap game because they've been so good at home. They're riding really high. Everybody's feeling great about Joe Flacco. Everybody's feeling great about Kevin and Joe together. Everybody's feeling great about the playoff positioning here. This is an NFC game. Um, like Ashley said, when the schedule came out, I mean, even a month ago, you're looking at this and saying, ah, they're going to beat the Bears. That's that's the one they're going to win. There's something just a little funky about this game, sort of where it's at. It's before they go to Houston. Um, you know, Houston, going to Houston doesn't carry as much weight as it did back when Deshaun was still your starting quarterback. But, uh, you know, that that's a good team. I don't think they're going to overlook the Texans you know, the Jets, the Bengals, those are all games that I think they're going to be ready for. I do wonder, like, Mary Kay, could this be the trap game? 
because they're so banged up. Everything's just sort of aligned for them to go out and just have a... I mean, they haven't really had a dud at home other than the DTR game against Baltimore, but there was so much else going on in that. Um, it just, I just worry a little bit, like, could this be the dud right here? Well, I think it could be. If you had to circle one of these four games in, in the final four and, and call it the trap game, this would be it in my mind because of a number of different things, including all of the injuries that the Browns just suffered and, um, you know, the fact that, once again, they've got to get Joe protected. But there are a few other things, too. We mentioned uh, the turnovers, the tough defense. Uh, they are also second in the NFL in run defense. So if they take away, you know, the run, I, I think that that could be huge for them. So, you know, they can run and they can stop the run. And anytime that you can do that in December, you know, you're going to be ahead of the game. So they're averaging 138 yards per game rushing. That's fourth in the NFL. And they're holding teams to 83.7 yards rushing, and that is second in the NFL. So I think those two things are areas where if they can start running on the Browns, and we've seen the Browns sometimes struggle against the run. And now with all of these new guys, not everybody's going to be in the right spot at the right time. Uh, there is going to be some potential for blown coverages, missed assignments, missed tackles. It just kind of sets up that way. Um, so I do think that this could be a trap game for the Browns, and they're just going to really have to dial in and focus in and, above all, protect the football. Yeah, and it just, I don't, I mean, look, the, they beat the Lions last week. The Lions are still a good team. And, you know, they beat the Vikings in a 12-10 game. They lost to the Lions. They beat the Panthers. So I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly how good this Bears team is. But I, I just, I don't know. There is a part of me in the back of my mind, and we're going to do picks later, Ashley, but there's just a part of me that wonders, like, should I just pick the Bears in this game? <laughs> no, I mean, I think I'm kind of along that same train of thought for basically all the reasons I listed out earlier. Like, are they just going to be catching the Bears at a time when I don't want to say they're hot, but like they're figuring some things out. And on the flip side of that, the Browns have lost a handful of players, like not just one player on this defense they have to figure out how to account for. They've lost a handful of guys just this week on both sides of the ball. And you have to adjust. And there's a learning curve when you've got guys playing that either don't play a lot of snaps or, you know, maybe in the case of some defensive guys that we might see out there this week, haven't played any snaps yet this year. So I don't know. Like, I, I think this is a game that you look at and it's like, yeah, this could be a trap game, I think, for them, unfortunately. And it doesn't have anything to do with talent or effort, obviously. I think it would just be it's at a really bad time for this team right now with injuries. Yeah, and I just I don't know if I see this team winning five games in a row to end the season. It could happen. I don't know if I see that happening, though. So I, they got to lose one of these games, I would think. And I'm, I'm fine if I'm wrong with that, but I, I just don't know if they win five in a row to finish this season, considering where this roster's at right now with injuries. So maybe this is the one. I guess we'll have to see. How's that for a, a little teaser? Uh, we are going to take a break. On the other side, Lance Reisland is going to join us, then Tyler Shoemaker, and then we will come back and make our picks to wrap up our Browns-Bears preview pod. Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk Browns Bears preview. We welcome on, as we do every Friday, Lance Reisland to give us all the info on the Chicago Bears. Lance, how are you? 
Dan, I'm well. How are you, buddy? Doing well. Okay, let's get to it. Very simple question, straightforward. Is Justin Fields good? Uh, yes, he's very good. Uh, I was actually shocked breaking down some film. I uh, got into like three games finally uh, and got to last week's game today uh, in depth this morning, and he's really good. And what he's doing is I think they've realized he needs to move. You know, he's thrown for 1,800 yards. He's got uh, 13 touchdowns. Uh, he's completing it like 62-ish percent. Um, and, and what he's done is that his movement is really good, uh, but he's throwing better from the pocket. His feet aren't happy. So he's kind of trusting, whether it's right or wrong, uh, he's trusting that offensive line. They're moving him. Uh, actually, it's funny because I've heard a lot of people ask me about how is he as a runner. He's actually not a great designed runner. Like, you know, we're going to run the – but what he does incredibly well, he does zone read very well, and he's incredible at the scramble. Uh, and he's good within the pocket. Some things that the Browns have struggled with. But, yes, very good. He's their leading rusher. He's their leading passer. He's their leader. You can definitely see the maturation process that he's gone through. Um, you know, I don't know if they're going to keep him or not, but he's he's turning into a very good quarterback. Where does he struggle right now? Well, I would say if it's going to – if anything struggles, it's in the pocket going through getting getting to the second, third progression, especially on high lows, you know, things like that. When they get into empty, um, he seems to – um, as compared to last year, he doesn't get jumpy though. So he'll get through his first progression, uh, the all 22, and then he kind of gets off the second and third and he misses some second and third progressions. Uh, the thing that's helped him is he's got a, he's got a prime time receiver now, right? So he's got DJ Moore, which gives him a guy with 76 receptions and over a thousand yards. So he's got a, he's got a true legit number one to kind of get him out of trouble sometimes, which every quarterback needs. Uh, but I would say it's pocket and getting that second, third progression and kind of hanging in that pocket when he needs to at times. So is there anyone that he reminds you of as, as a runner? Um, you know, cause he's kind of a bigger guy and I feel like, like, I feel like Lamar Jackson is just a different type of runner than most other running quarterbacks, but does he remind you of like, I mean, like Josh Allen is a bigger runner, bigger running quarterback. You know, I, I actually heard somebody throw out the name Cam Newton as far as just <laughs> a big guy that can run. Um, is, is there anyone that he reminds you of the, so, so the Browns fans kind of have an idea of what this looks like? Well, yeah, he's, he is like Josh Allen, but he's no longer taking that abuse. So he absolutely has gotten hammered, uh, in his career, early career. So uh, poor offensive line running the ball. Uh, I think he realized that, you know, the duration you have, uh, in the NFL by tr taking true hits, it's not very long. So, um, he gets down when the play's over. So that's one thing that's different from Allen and Cam. Those guys will try to run through you and get extra yards and things like that. So if the play's over, it's over. Uh, he'll, he'll slide and get done. Um, he's got a burst like Lamar. Um, he, you know, especially on that zone read. So, I mean, for me, it, Lamar is faster. Um, maybe, uh, but it, I would say my reminder is he's like a bigger Lamar. I'm not saying better. I just think he's bit, he's, he's a big explosive athlete. Uh, especially in space, he can um, he can break tackles a little bit better. So he's probably not as quite of elusive and shaky and, and twitchy as Jackson, um, but he can get out of this, uh, out of a mess in a pocket because of his lower leg strength. Okay, so let's talk about this Browns defense against mobile quarterbacks and sort of how they match up because they've had some times where they've struggled. They've had some times where they've done okay. Um, but we know this Jim Schwartz scheme is very aggressive, very downhill. I think Russell Wilson had some moments where he really kind of used that aggression against the Browns. So are running quarterbacks a problem for this defense? 
Well, I looked at it and here you went back to the Denver game too, because I thought that was important. So the zone read, for example. So if you're in a base defense, a Joe Woods defense, and the reason he they played zone read great last couple of years is because the backside end is feathering. So he's just kind of staying there, uh, which is actually works well against people like Lamar Jackson and Fields because it's an automatic give then because the end is staying there. So he's going to give on that zone read. The Browns, however, Schwartz doesn't work that way. So what the Browns have to do, they do more of a chase and replace. So that backside defensive end is going to chase the back, and then the linebacker is going to replace in that C or D gap. The thing that happens is that the linebacker gets nosy and kind of gets with the fake, then there's no one left. And that's what happened against Russell Wilson. The the backers have to replace after that, you know, after that DN chases. So um, it's a drill. I'm sure they've repped a ton now. <clears throat> they did it well a couple times, especially uh, later in the game against Denver. Um, but that's for sure coming. Chase and replace. They went to a pistol a little bit more. Um, so that's the one thing they have to do. The other thing that happens with a mobile quarterback is the the clock is messed up in the secondary. So if you look at some of the big plays that have happened, it's because that's over that like three to five, three to four second range. Um, no one holds the ball longer than Justin Fields. So those def- def- defensive backs have to stay with longer than they're used to. Um, you know, there's a clock, you know, everybody's in rhythm, three and five and seven step drops, boot waggle. There's a certain time where, you know, it's just like any other sport. There's certain times when things happen and those running quarterbacks take that away because they extend the play longer than it is. So they have to stay connected. They have to stay plastered in the secondary and they got to make sure um, that they have his own replan. And then thirdly, they got to make sure that they have a plan for him on third medium. Are they going to spy with JOK? Are they going to spy with, um, uh, you know, one of their DBs if they go nickel or, or dime? Uh, they cannot, they have to maintain their rush lanes, uh, but don't look for Jim Schwartz to, you know, back down. They're going to, you know, pressure hurts uh, mobile guys too. So it's just, they got to be technically and fundamentally sound in what they do uh, and make sure to have a plan. Cause he's, he's the, he's the guy. If you can stop him, you're going to beat the bears. Okay. So tell me outside of Justin Fields, <laughs> what is it the bears do well offensively? How, and, and also how should the Browns attack this offense? Well, I think Cole Komet's a pretty good tight end, uh, big guy, 6'6". Six, six. So their tight ends, you know, they do some 21 personnel. They got a true fullback, um, you know, the passing game is a, a true fullback. So they'll go 21 personnel, and they'll run power, and they'll run some counter game. Uh, they're not super physical inside. Uh, I think what the Browns have to do is they have to attack those guards. Uh, Braxton Jones, uh, I'm sorry, Trevin Jenkins and Nate Davis both struggle in short area quickness kind of areas. Really struggled when they put those defensive ends in passing situations when you know a lot of teams will move those guys down and get four ends on the field. They really struggle with defensive guys who have good uh, short area quickness. So I think they got to attack those guards Um uh, they, they, they're just pretty sound on both sides of the ball. They're not, um, they're not, they're not great. I mean, if you take away, if you can take away DJ Moore and, and, um, Justin Fields, you got a pretty good chance. Moore's a, a legit number one receiver though. And I didn't really know he was until I watched him. He's really good. He got a little Debo in him. He got a little Amari Cooper in him. He's really a good player, but offensively, I think you got to, you know, defensively, you got to attack those guards. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't believe that the Bears managed to get DJ Moore in that trade with Carolina. When you consider how everything has worked out for them, they're probably going to get the number one pick from the Panthers now. And they still managed to get DJ Moore out of that. And then to top it off, maybe Carolina took the wrong guy. Um, that, mm-hmm. I mean, that trade is just such a – it, it was a great trade. It's the kind of trade that could reset a franchise if, if that's what the Bears want to do. Well, yeah, and what he does, he gives you – he's a touch guy. So he's that guy – you know, things are you, – you know, you can't – you know, everybody wants to have that scat back who can do a bunch of different things. But in the NFL, everybody's big and fast. So you have to – if you're going to be a guy who 
play some running back, play some receiver, catches the ball. You have to be big because you're going to get hit and you have to be able to break tackles and you have to be able to do certain things. And he's that guy. Uh, he's a lot bigger than I thought. He's a lot more explosive in a short area. He runs really good routes. Uh, he ran like a, just a simple pin and pull, but they faked a reverse with it last week. Um, he's good in space. He's good at high pointing the ball. He's good. Releases are excellent. He's he's a top level guy. He's a He's a top 10 guy for sure. Okay, so tell me about that Bears defense. Obviously, they lose uh, in Gakwe. So tell me about that Bears defense, what what they're good at, and how the Browns need to attack it. Well, the Browns are going to see a forefront for the first time. But not, you know, everybody's multiple, but the Bears are predominantly a forefront. So what that does, uh, the Browns have seen an odd front for the last couple of weeks. So it means the center's covered and those guards are usually covered, which means zone is not real good because you lose those double teams. So I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a really good zone, inside-outside zone week because the back to the forefront. And what that means is both guards are going to be covered, which are the strength of the Browns. And they're going to get a double team, and they're going to run that zone right at the center and right at one of those guards. And they're going to get two big double teams. Um, so you can, you know, it's either the strength of the offense and they can help that tackle because there's a huge – two huge double teams in there because uh, the, the, they're in that forefront. You got to get Edmonds blocked. He was great in Buffalo. I really like him. He's active. Um, their safety is uh, Brisker and Jackson, really active guys. Um, they're down in the box. Uh, they play a bunch of different coverages, but they like to get seven, eight down in there, um, especially when the Browns go to their run sets, though. They're going to crowd the line of scrimmage. Um, but their corners aren't very good, in my opinion. Their corners can be had. Last week, uh, Tyreek Stevenson got beat a bunch, and it wasn't that he got beat um, for big plays all the time, but if they had time, they would. He he ran by their cor- uh, He ran. He got ran by a bunch by the Lions. So I think that they can attack the corners with Cooper um, and just some straight vertical routes. But they're pretty big inside. Billings is going to shade that nose. But the scheme is what really, really, really works for the Browns. So they're going to run that zone. They're going to run it at the inside eye of the guard, and they're going to come downhill. And I think they're going to have a good week running the ball. Well, that's good because uh, obviously they've they've sort of struggled running the football here. So if they could get Jerome Ford going, if they could get Kareem Hunt going, um, that that would be huge. But they're going to have to do it with backup tackles, even beyond backup tackles at this point. So. How does that impact the Browns against the Bears front? Well, it's really good because now you don't have to now you know when you basically when you have uh, when you have five down linemen and you're it's it's man on man and it's uh so what ends up happening is you can't help those tackles you can't help in any double teams you can't get any vertical displacement which the Browns like to do because they're covering that center so the odd front is really really good against a zone team. Uh, which is, you know, Stefanski's base, but Stefanski has become a gap guy too. So he, he can, he can fluctuate to what you do to him Uh, because he's going to see the forefront. Those tackles are not much on an Island and it becomes more of an interior game with the zone concept because they're going to double to those linebackers. And if they can double and get to the second level and they can get ahead on Edmonds, they can move the football because uh, regardless of how good those D tackles are, you're not going to ever block them this week one-on-one unless you bring pressure pressure and they don't bring a ton of pressure. So, um, I see it as, you know, I see the Browns getting big movement on those double teams because it's an even front and that's really going to help them. Okay. So here we go, Lance. You are first up here on our podcast as you are every week making your pick. Who do you like in this game? Well, I like that. You know, I, it's one of those years, right? And, and, and me and I, I know me and you have talked about this before, but the Browns don't treat their second and third level guys as backups. And that's why they have success when they get in this situation. They're not going into practice saying, man, I hope, I hope uh, Harris can, you know, reach the doubles. They know he can, and they know Hudson can, and they know Christian can. And whether they can or can't, that's the way they practice. So those guys have a lot of belief in what they do. Uh, I think Flacco's playing good. I just don't think uh, if Ward comes back and they, and, they get 
match up with DJ Moore with Emerson and Ward because I think both of them can are really going to be a tough mass up, matchup for Moore. Um, I think the Browns win close, and I think it's ugly, uh, ugly in, the, in how it works. But I think they win, and I'm going to go 21-19. I got the Browns 21-19. Okay, there we go. Uh, that is Lance Reisland. He's on here every Friday breaking down the Browns opponent. He's on here every Wednesday breaking down what he saw on Sunday and throwing out a question every week. Uh, Lance, I actually want you to share this on the podcast. Um, I, the, the feedback you got because your question on Wednesday was pet peeves and we went through our pet peeves and you got a little feedback apparently so got, about that segment. So, you know, every time we start working together, feedback is more and more each week of football and questions and everything. So uh, I got a, I got a, a person reached out and said, um, great job. I really like listening to you and Dan. It was it was excellent. Um, you know, pet peeves. You know, my big pet peeve is when the film guy comes on and doesn't talk about film. And I thought that was pretty interesting. So I said, point taken, well said, and <laughs> uh, set me up pretty well. And and uh, point, I got it. So uh, duly noted. Uh about his pet peeve. So I thought that I thought that person <laughs> deserved some credit for the for the creativity there. It did because it immediately made me <laughs> laugh out loud because I'm like it's creative, set it up and you know, kind of complimented me, made me feel a little bit warmer that it was fun and then kind of let me have it. So well done by you, sir. Well done by you. Uh, I had a guy that used to email me just relentlessly whenever I'd put up a video telling me that I needed to get in the weight room more often. <laughs> And I needed to lift some weights. And, and honestly, for the longest, I would go back and forth with him, just kind of having fun with it. And it was just like, I couldn't block the guy. I couldn't, I couldn't mute yeah. him. I just, I had to like, it just made me laugh every time I'd see his name and I'd see an email and it would just be about, I, I need to get in the weight room and, and do some work on my arms. Well, yeah. So if, if he would have said, you know, that was, you know, stop it, just talk football, whatever. But the setup is what I appreciated. He set me up, he got me feeling good. And then he, kind of took me down a notch and I, and I appreciate that out of him. It's well done by him. So yes, yeah. I expect, I expect some more from him coming soon. So yeah. <laughs> we all need it. Don't we? Absolutely. <laughs> all right. We're going to take a break. And then on the other side, Tyler Shoemaker is going to join us with his gambling advice for this game and for uh, a couple of other NFL games as well. Lance, as always appreciate the time. Welcome back to our Orange Brown Talk Browns Bears preview. And as we do every Friday, we welcome on Tyler Shoemaker. Tyler, how are you? Good, Dan. Good to be back. Okay. Well, I gotta, I've got to confess to something here. Someone tweeted at us. They wanted to know, and I'm sure there's some <laughs> podcast listeners that want to know, did I take your advice and take the New Orleans Saints last week? Or did I stick with my gut and take the Houston Texans in my survivor pool? You took and the Texans. sadly, <laughs> I did. I did. I took the Texans. Um, I just... I just couldn't trust Derek Carr and the Saints, and I felt like if the Panthers were going to get a stupid win, it was going to be against that team. And I understand that I have the luxury of having a gambling expert on every week to help me with this survivor pool, (laughs) and I ignored your advice. You know, I I can't blame you. C.J. Stroud uh, and the Texans had been more trustworthy, I think, over the course of the season. (laughs) The flip side is... I wouldn't have won, so I'd have had to have gone through this another week, you know, so I'm much less stressed. So can you really put a put a price on peace of mind? No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame you one bit. <laughs> so let's let's get into this. I want to I want to hear your updated top five here to start. All right. Uh, top five. Same same names as always, just kind of in a different order here. Uh, so we got the Niners still at, at number one. 
pretty healthy, uh, 8.7 rating. So they're a full point and a half ahead of number two, which is now the Cowboys who jumped the Ravens after the Cowboys killed the Eagles and the Ravens, you know, went to overtime last week. Uh, so the Cowboys number two, Ravens number three, Bills up to number four and Chiefs number five. Okay, the Bills uh, moving up. And also, I'm starting to buy into the Cowboys a little bit. I had my doubts, but that was a big win over the Eagles. So they, they might actually be legit right now. Yeah, that was uh, – I, I wrote them up against the Eagles in my VEASAN article uh, as one of my best bets. I, I thought it was now or never for the Cowboys because I've, I've called them the Penn State of the NFL where they kill <laughs> teams that they should and then lose to good teams. So I was like, all right, this is this is their chance. Uh, my numbers haven't really loved the Eagles all year. So, you know, though I, I had some value in the number on the Cowboys and they they got it done. Okay, so now the other the, – the flip side of this are uh, – are- greatly again one of our textures came up with this the hugh jackson five are our bottom five teams <laughs> love it uh, again a lot of familiar faces here uh cardinals at number 28 patriots giants no longer in the bottom two so good for them uh panthers and <laughs> at the at dead last the commander still okay so let's let's get into this browns bears game um let's get an update on these two teams where do you have the browns right now yeah, the Browns up to number nine. They've been kind of flirting with that, you know, top 10 ranking all year. I've got them up to number 10 on offense. Uh, they've been putting some points up, uh, number 11 on defense. So who would have thought that the offense would be actually rated higher than the defense? But uh, pretty pretty similarly rated high across the board. Conversely, I've got the Bears number 26 overall, number 20 on offense, number 26 on defense. Uh, so the Browns should have an advantage on, on both sides of the ball, which makes my projection Browns minus seven with a total of 45. Okay, so those numbers are, are very different than, than the line we're seeing. Now, th- there was something interesting last week that happened. So when we recorded, the total on that game with the Jaguars was 30 and a half. Um, by Friday, it had jumped up to like 32. And I want to say it was something like 37 um, by the time the game kicked off or at some point over the weekend. And of course, you know, when I told you it was 30 and a half, you were, you were all over that um, yeah. <laughs> to, to get that over. Now it cleared any number that, that it ultimately ended up at, but I, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm sure you don't have a firm answer on this, but do you, do you think that was weather related? Why was there such a discrepancy there to the point where that number kind of kept shooting up over the weekend? Yeah, my my guess on that would be the Trevor Lawrence news, uh, as well as the announcement that Joe Flacco was going to start, even though, you know, you pointed out on the show last week, like he's he's going to start. They're just not saying it. Um, so I think the, the quarterback uncertainty on both sides kind of had that number driven down. And then once once both starting quarterbacks got announced, everyone ran and bet the over. And but we you know, we bet it at, at the correct time, got the best number. And and like you said, it cashed all the numbers anyway. Yeah, but I mean, it does just kind of speak to, you know, some of this is about timing, right? Like some of it is, you know, if you get some, if you can get something early, there could be value there. Sometimes you want to wait till till later in the week until you, you have some more clarity on a game. But um, it, it just kind of speaks to the value of sort of monitoring things as the week goes along as, as far as the movement on these lines. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, we obviously we record when we record. So all we can do is operate with the information we have, but I always tell people to make sure you're, you're shopping around, keeping an eye on it. You know, if we give out a pick and you look at the lines and you see that it's going the opposite way, then just wait it out and get the best number. You know, you don't have to bet it at the number, you know, that, that we give out every time. And it's the same way, you know, when I write up my best bet articles, it's tough because it's a a snapshot in time, but that's not, you know, the market is very fluid. So you got to pay attention to that. 
Okay, so there are, again, discrepancies here with uh, where you sort of have this game on the line and the total. So uh, right now on Thursday morning when we're recording this, it's uh, Browns minus three, and the total on this is 38 and a half. So um, what, what did you say you had? It? You had it at seven yep. and then 40, 45. Was it, 45? Yeah, 45, 45 on the total. So, yeah, so I, you know, I would be all over Browns and the over here. So looking at... Considering those angles, because I mean, again, if you want to just bet the Browns minus three and the over 38 and a half, by all means, I would I would encourage that based on the data. The best bets I'm going to make, though, because I wanted to find some, you know, better odds on kind of playing those angles. So Joe Flacco over one and a half passing touchdowns is plus 140. So if the Browns are going to cover a number and the game's going to go over, we assume there's probably going to have to be some passing touchdowns involved here. So at plus 140, I like Flacco to go over one and a half passing touchdowns. And then also uh, you can bet first to X amount of points. Browns first to 20 points plus 110. So we're getting better odds to basically say the same thing that we think the Browns are going to control this game and it's going to go over. And then a third bet that I like Browns first quarter minus a half at plus 120. So it's just a kind of a creative way to get better odds on kind of saying the same thing that, that we like the Browns and, and points to be scored here. Yeah. And, and those first quarter bets, sometimes it kind of comes down to if you have a good feel for a head coach or not really just head coach, in this case, it is the coach, but a play caller and kind of that opening script and how a team operates. Kevin Stefanski and Joe Flacco seem to be really good together when it comes to that opening script. It was the same way with Jacoby Brissett and there's other play caller quarterback combos who are really good on their opening script. And so those are kind of the teams you want to target when you're looking at first quarter, you know, some of those first quarter numbers of a team, you know, if if they score on their opening drive a ton, obviously that's going to lead to a lot of first quarter covers or a lot of first quarter total total hits. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and we've, we've kind of played that angle with some of the Browns first half team totals. Uh, I'm pretty sure we've cashed those every time we bet them, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, so we do, uh, you know, I do like to get in on the Browns early. I didn't like the lines and the odds uh, for some of those first half bets. So I think the Browns first quarter minus a half at at plus money is, is a good bet. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've certainly picked up on is, as we've done this segment every week is there's so many things you can bet on now that you can take advantage of different, like we've, you know, we were doing the bands for a long time, right? So there's so many different angles to, Hey, I think this Browns minus three is going to hit, but I can take advantage of that in other ways than just taking this Browns minus three at, you know, minus one fifteen odds. Exactly. And, and those, you know, those kind of um, derivative markets, they're called, those move a lot slower than, you know, just the game spread or the game total. So a lot of times you can kind of do the math and be like, wow, the Browns, you know, this lines up to minus four and a half now or whatever, but the the team total or, or whatever is still sitting as if the line was still three. So you can find a lot of value that way on those derivative bets, which is what we try to do here on this on this show. Okay, so let's look league wide near league wide here. Uh, what uh, what's your favorite bet this week? I am reluctantly <laughs> going to give out the Patriots plus seven and a half against the Chiefs. Um, I had just updated my numbers yesterday evening. The line was nine and a half. It's down to seven and a half. Uh, anything above seven, I, I like the Patriots here. I project at five and a half. So getting decent value on the number, but also, you know, it was just reported this week that the Patriots are probably going to part ways with Bill Belichick after this season. 
Uh, so I think that if there was ever a time that Bill Belichick's going to be like, watch this, it's going to be this week against the Chiefs. Uh, so I I like the spot. I like the number here on on the Patriots. Okay, and what's one you're staying away from? Staying away from I I almost went to a Dolphins Jets bet, and then I'm like, my gosh, you know the Jets score thirty against the Texans last week. Like I I don't know I don't know what to do with them really. Um, Again, the Bengals are just they go without saying at this point. But I also I'm I'm still kind of with with the Jets. I, I don't really want anything to do with the Jets. That's fair. They're just, they're just I, so Jekyll and Hyde. I mean they 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 may score three. <laughs> Believe me, they I may know. score three points. They may <laughs> score thirty points. You just you never know with them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'm scrolling around here, and I think I saw one. I hate that. I hate this total because I I just don't like totals under forty. Even though unders have been really popular but i am looking at this one um texans titans under 38 what do you have that one at i actually have that one at 42 and a half uh and that's actually across all the formulas unanimous over that 38 okay well then i'm staying i'm staying away (laughs) from that one then uh let me let me see if i can find uh let me see if i can find one more okay how about how about this is an under um commanders at rams the total is 50 and a half. Um, let's see. 50 and a half. I would be under that. I've got 47 and actually that would be unanimous under. So you are onto something there. There we go. I, f- I don't know why I'm looking for <laughs> unders. Nobody likes to bet unders. They're, they're not fun. Often, <laughs> there often is val- more value on unders because everyone likes to bet over. So it artificially inflates lines a lot of times. But um, yeah, no Rams, Rams commanders. I would definitely be on the under there. Yeah, that that just feels like a high number for whatever reason. Uh, Okay, that is Tyler Shoemaker. Where can people find you, Tyler? Find me on X at T-Shoe Index. Uh, That's where I'm giving out all of my bets. I mean, this time of year, best time to follow me because I've got college football, bowl games, NFL bets, men's and women's college basketball. We're we're doing it all right now. I'm I'm barely getting any sleep, I feel like. So uh, follow follow me there. (laughs) Follow my writing at vsin.com. That's where I write up all my best bets. So you can get that there. I also put out my daily projections for men's and women's college basketball there as well. All right. Well, uh, that being said, we're not getting much sleep. We appreciate you joining, joining here a little. I've I moved the schedule up. I had to start recording with you earlier in the morning. So uh, I appreciate you being flexible and, and moving your schedule up for me. Uh, and we will talk to you again right. next week. Sounds good. Thank you. Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance. Thanks to Tyler. Mary Kay and Ashley are back, and it is time to make our picks on Thursday at 5 o'clock. So, as always, way too early. Subject to change, we'll make our official picks. Those will go uh, up on the website on Saturday afternoon. Bears and Browns at Cleveland Browns Stadium. The Browns currently three-point favorites. The total on this game, 38.5. You heard Tyler Shoemaker say that his... Um, his all of his data has the Browns favored by much more than that. He's got the total higher than that, so he's very uh, high on the Browns winning this game. Um, who wants to go first? Ashley just looked away in shame. I'm like a dog that you were like your dog does something wrong, and you're like, "Who did this?" And, <laughs> and they, they won't make eye contact. Away. Yeah, that was me right now. <laughs> um, do you want me to go first? Sure, I can go. You first. go first, Mary Kay. Okay, and you know, I, I don't really. Um, feel super strongly about this, 
but I am going to pick the Browns to win this game because they just seem so almost invincible at home. They've gone six and one at home, and even though they have lost so many guys on defense, they just seem uh, to just be so energized by the crowd at home, and good things seem to happen. Uh, you know, you've got guys where they understand the meaning of playing at home, like a Kareem Hunt. Uh, now you've got Joe Flacco, who is completely fresh. His arm is fresh. His legs are fresh. Everything about him is is hungry and fresh to try to get this team to the playoffs. And now he's got financial incentives to do so. A <laughs> uh, little $75,000, you know, Christmas uh, money to spend if he wins this game. And, uh, you know, I think Amari Cooper is one more week removed from the rib injury and from the concussion. And so I think Amari has a chance to have a better game. And I think the connection between Joe and Amari should be a little bit better. Now they are, once again, as I mentioned, they are playing against the number two run defense. I think that's a little dicey because Jerome Ford really hasn't been running all that well. So, you know, I think it's a little tough. You know, they if, if Pierre Strong is healthy enough this game, I think they should run some Pierre Strong out there just for a change-up, just for a change of pace, uh, you know, and try to mix it up a little bit. And, and certainly, of course, uh, you know, plenty more Kareem. But um, their run defense is something definitely to keep an eye on. But, you know, I think it could potentially be a big game for Miles. He's going to want to go out there at home and finally snap this three-game sack drought that he's in. And now they don't have Oboe. So I think, you know, Z and Miles might try to take it upon themselves even a little bit more to get home. Uh, so I think Miles is going to be super motivated. I think a lot of these young guys are going to want to step in there and prove that they belong. You know, I mean, I think that we've seen in the past, we've seen like a D. Anthony Bell go out there and, you know, make some, some big plays. And we've seen a lot of these younger guys ready to step in and make a name for themselves. So... I'm going to say, for me, more than anything, it's just that home cooking that they've been doing this season. I'm going to go with the Browns, and I'm going to go with a score of, I think I'm going to go 24 to 20. All right. Ashley, do you want to go next? I will. I like, you know, I hate to do this, but I just have a bad feeling about this game right now that I cannot shake. And perhaps... I simply got too close to the Bears over the last 24 hours. Perhaps it was a mistake to watch the condensed version of their win over the Lions. But some of the things that offense was doing in this game, the way Justin Fields played, the way he was throwing the ball, the way he was taking off, the way they were using DJ Moore, not just in the pass game, but out of nowhere, got him involved in their run game. It was like his second career carry or something, and he took it to the end zone for a touchdown in that game. And they used him on more than just that play on the ground. And I think eventually, like you said, Dan, I think ultimately where my head's at right now is they're not going to win five in a row to end the season. And I think maybe I would have picked against them next week, but since we don't know what's going on with CJ Stroud, that game suddenly looks more winnable to me. And it just feels like they're due for one of these confounding losses that ultimately I think is just going to be because too many guys went down with an injury and they have to face a mobile quarterback. And they've just been a bit dicey doing that all year with their experienced guys. So I'm predicting a weird game right now. I reserve the right to change my mind tomorrow for my written pick um, and our video pick. But I think it's going to be a weird afternoon. I think there might be some unnecessary panic because I don't think big picture it really means that much. I just feel like they're due. So I'm going to go 
Bears 21, Browns 19. I'm in the same place. I think at some point, at some point it has to matter that you don't have your tackles. You don't even have your backup tackles. Um, You don't have your starting safeties, both your starting safeties, perhaps. Um, You're down to Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith, and now you're hoping that Siaki Ika and Alex Wright and Isaiah McGuire can step up and create some pressure. I think that has to matter at some point, and maybe this is the week that it does, and it's kind of wonky because the Bears, I don't know if the Bears are good, but I do know that Justin Fields is the type of quarterback that can cause problems. Now, in the back of my mind, I also have the last time Miles Garrett played Justin Fields. He had four yeah. and a half sacks. There's a lot of there's a lot of reasons for that, right? That was Justin Fields' first start. Matt Nagy was running like a weird. It wasn't an offense tailored to Justin Fields, and he like Miles Garrett just teed off. So I don't think Miles is going to have four and a half sacks today or on Sunday. I feel like this game could just be a little. I'm, like, I'm with you, Ashley. I think it's going to be a weird game. I think it's, yeah. And the Browns have been so loose with the football. At some point, that has to come back to bite them, too. And it just feels like this is the letdown game. And I still think they'll be fine. I still think they're going to figure out a way to get into the playoffs. It might come down to that Cincinnati game. But I do think at some point, some of this stuff has to catch up to them. So it's not even so much the Bears. It's just kind of the... I think this is the week when a lot of that happens. So I'm going to take the Bears in a close game. Maybe it's a last-second field goal. I don't know. I'm going to take the Bears in a close game, and I'll say, I think I'm going to go low scoring. I'm going to go 19-17. to 17. Um, The Bears figure out a way to, to pull the upset at Browns Stadium. So there you go. And by the way, the good news here, Mary Kay has been killing it with her picks. This, say, like, she's our best picker. At the end of the day, Mary Kay's she's, probably right. Yeah. So that's, that's what's the takeaway from this I segment. I don't know. What am I now? 10 and 3? I think it Probably is. something yeah. like that. 10, 10 and 3. Yeah, you've been really good. And I think you've been good against year. the spread, too. Yeah. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Who knew? Who Come knew? to me for your betting advice. <laughs> there you go. Mary Kay the Sharp. Yep. There you go. <laughs> All right. There you go. Like I said, those picks could change. Ashley and I could rethink things. Mary Kay could rethink things. Maybe we've talked her into it. We'll have a preview video uh, going up on Saturday morning at cleveland.com slash browns. We'll have our official picks going up on Saturday afternoon at cleveland.com slash browns. That's also where you can become a football insider subscriber. It's the blue banner at the top of the page. Find us on Instagram, search Orange Brown Talk. Find us on YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. And make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For Mary Kay, Ashley, Tyler, Lance, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.